right, guys. Today on Car Thoughts with David, I have another fantastic interview uh, for you today. I have uh, Lila Smith here uh, in the car. Well, actually, she's in the library. I'm in the car. And uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking about uh, the Say Things Better Mastermind, intentional communication, and uh, she's currently going through the certification to become a UMAC trainer. So we'll be covering that. So, Lila, if you'd like to introduce yourself, and uh, we'll get going. Well, those are a lot of things that I'm doing right now. Uh, sitting in the library, it's, it's interesting because I love that there are people who are going to listen to this and think, wow, Lila's in the library. She's so studious. She must read a lot. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I do, though, is I, I connect a lot, and I came out to Farmingdale, Long Island, because it's my friend Fabian DiCristina's birthday, or it was yesterday. And so I came out here to celebrate with him. I was summoned to New York for jury duty, and then I didn't get selected to serve, which was devastating for me. And I'm still trying to get over it because I really, really did want to serve. But so I, I had the day off since I wasn't on jury duty, came out here to Long Island to have lunch with him. We met at a LinkedIn local event and just stayed in touch. And came out here to have lunch with him. And then I was like, great, I'm doing David's podcast at 5 o'clock. I don't think I'm going to get back to a WeWork in Manhattan on time. And he said, well, there's a library down the block. So now I'm in my first library in, like, I don't know, it's embarrassingly long. If Michaela Alexis hears this, she's going to be shocked. I think the last time I was in a library was with her when she was visiting Manhattan in January of last year. So over a year since I've been in a library. I'm not really wow. well, I will, a library I'll make sure goer anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she's great. I, she was visiting our friend Katarina Garcia from – she was in from Canada. And we took her to the New York Public Library because she's obsessed with libraries and books. And I used to be when I was a kid. I just don't feel like I've been able to take a lot of time for that lately like sitting down and having my mind clear enough and away from a screen like my phone for long enough. It's just so embarrassing to even talk about it, but this is this is the truth. But Michaela loves books and she loves libraries, and we took her there because it's one of the most beautiful old buildings in the country. And the, the, uh, the main branch library in Bryant Park in New York City in Manhattan, it's so beautiful, and they have all these old, rare books these rooms that are kind of secret, and we got her a library card, which is the coolest souvenir that you can get from a city, especially if you love libraries and you love books the way that she does. I'm just an imposter sitting here because I network too hard. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to run to a library. Oh, hey, you know, I mean, that's uh, like we were talking about before, you know, uh, I, I've had to migrate myself to audiobooks because I just don't have the time to do just one thing. You know, there's always work to be done, yeah. just to be done, conversations, podcasts, interviews. There's always something uh, so I can be, you know, listening. To... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why do there have to be dishes to be done? I mean, why aren't we at a place where everything is self-cleaning yet? To me, that's when we'll really be in the future. When my bed yes. my bed self makes and my dishes self wash, then I'll know we're really in the future. We've really arrived. It won't be well. Yeah, they need like self cleaning dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need like a tall Roomba, like the little robotic vacuum cleaner, but you just yes. have your dish in it and yes. it like opens up and pulls the dish in and then spits it out, you know, clean. I think they call that a, they call that a dishwasher. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that they then um, reload themselves onto the shelves. That's great. Yes. I think yeah. you've got something yeah. there. You've got <laughs> something there. Someone listening to this is going to go and make the patents. And probably already there. Like some kook in the basement has come up with this and has created the patents. Every time yeah. I talk to yeah. you, it's like we go off into the most random tangents. <laughs> But you really get my creative mind, <laughs> my mind juices flowing. I always have these little sparks of just random creativity when I talk to you. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you always come up with these great ideas, and I'm just like, wow, you know, this or this. So you actually, I think we play off each other in that respect. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. If we ever wanted to come up with, like, the most useless track to achieve world peace, just put David and Lila in a room together. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's that? 
everybody. Well, I, I do thank you for that introduction. I mean, I am doing a lot right now besides not reading. I am actually doing <laughs> – I'm reading UMAP. I'm reading UMAP, which is Kristen Terry's book that describes her coaching process. And I've read it before, but now I'm reading it within different parts of it and the trainer coaching guide and the uh, the coachee workshop, workbook so that I can go through what my future clients are going to go through as well. So I'm learning from Kristen with a group of 10 other people how to become a certified UMAP coach. I'm going to help the entrepreneurs I'm already helping with messaging and intentional communication to use insights from their UMAP to really get more strategic about how they craft their message, what they include in it, calling out different pieces of value from them and also their values themselves. So talking about who people are, once they have a platform of self-awareness that UMAP gives you, I think it's going to really help people get even more value faster out of the work that I do. I'm really excited about adding that to my arsenal, my own toolbox as a communication coach. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's one thing. A lot of people uh, can be great at sales. A lot of people can be great at talking about things or describing things, but generally when they come around to talking about themselves, they're at a loss. Um, I know yeah. personally from my own experience, I, I, until I started working with uh, Lori and Kristen and, and Stephanie and, of, of course, talking with you some, you know, uh, that uh, I had no idea. <laughs> you know, when I started finding out my strengths mm-hmm. and, and about myself, yeah. that, uh, I was I was kind of shocked at the results that came back. And uh, it, then it made perfect sense, but it was like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. You know, it just it didn't exist. Right. Those well, those things skills. that are strengths, exactly. They're so much a part of us. We don't identify them as strengths. So we certainly don't talk about them because we don't recognize that it's anything special. It's so natural to us. Kristen pointed this out to me that when things are super natural to us, we really downplay them. Like we don't see them as hard to come by. We don't see them, uh, our accomplishments as hard to achieve. So we don't think they're worth bragging about. We don't think that they're worth talking about because we didn't have to suffer (laughs) to achieve anything. It's just something that comes naturally to us, but it doesn't come naturally to everybody. So when we start talking about the things that others recognize in us or that a program, an assessment that like UMAP highlights for us, then it's not us bragging. It's just a fact. Hey, I'm good at this. I have this natural strength. And not only do I have these natural strengths, but these are my values. This is, this will inform how I want to use those strengths to make a difference in my life or the lives of those around me. And my preferred skills, the third pillar of career fulfillment, showing people not just that there are things that they're good at, but that there's a subsection of those things that's just the things that they're good at that they like doing. So if you're already super powered by your strengths, and you can call them out, and you know what your values are and what those show up like for you in your work environment, and you can say, here are the things that I really like doing and that I'm good at in my work, and then you also understand your personality, the way that you're wired, that you actually have a type. I'm AE, which is artistic enterprising, and there's a type for that called the performer. So all of those four pillars together gives you so much insight into things that are objective about you and also that come from you. So it feels comfortable to talk about it because you know it's stuff that's important to you because they're aligned with your values. And it's also how you can show other people what about you is going to be important to them. I think it's, I think it's great. It definitely has changed my life to, to work with Kristen and to hear things like, hey, um, you know, you could be a, communication coach or consultant, you're always helping people to say things better. That's what came from my conversation with Kristen when she did my UMass. Did you know that, that Kristen said that? Uh, yes. Yeah, I heard you mention that. I think yeah. when you would come up here for her book signing, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I tell everybody. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> meets me for more than two minutes, they've probably heard that story. But if anybody listening doesn't know... I used to work in e-commerce, and I used to be a professional actress, and both of those things are the truth about my past lives. 
that ran concurrently. So I had been running an e-commerce department. I had worked at this company for three years, and it was a good job on paper. And yet I still felt like, ugh, isn't there something more for me? This doesn't seem to be using the pieces of me that I think are special or that I really like or feel good about. And I, I was using as much as I could, but there just were limited opportunities. And when I worked with Kristen, she showed me about 50 things that were sitting on a shelf collecting dust. It's it's hard to look at that about yourself, that there's so much stuff that you could bring to a table that you've been leaving out of a conversation. So when I work with entrepreneurs and, and thought leaders now, I want to use their UMAP to say, hey, take these things off the shelf, dust them off, and let's shout out about them to the whole world so that they know what you bring to the table. So they can sit down at that table and start paying you for what you have. Yeah, I mean, and and that's so true because so many people, um, you know, sit at their jobs every day and they're just like, oh, you know, I I just, I'm, I'm just a worker. I don't, you know, I've got all these other talents and things that I'm good at and, and I see all these ideas of things where I can change the company and help save money or whatever the case may be. And then they're just like, you know, they never get to utilize any of that knowledge or that wisdom or that ability that they have, and they just sit there and, like, almost, like, shrivel up. They just, they just like, sit there and, 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 like, a grape just, you know, dry out, and they're just, oh, work. I just, that's what I have to do, yeah. you know. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are not aware of all of their value, and if they knew, I feel like UMAP is this secret compass that if people could pull it out, um, and, you know, if everybody bought Kristen's book and really used it and really took all the assessments and really reflected on the value that they have that they didn't even know about, if everybody did this, I think we would be living in a world full of superheroes, that everybody would be Batman. Oh, I would be Batman, sure. too, but prettier. With <laughs> 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 a better outfit. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and I, I think that's absolutely true because if people like like you said and, and like we talked about, if people actually realized those values that they had and didn't just kinda of take them for granted because they're probably well, you know, yeah. it's just this is this is me, this is what I do. I'm you know, good at math or I'm good at whatever, you know, whatever their skills are and actually mm-hmm. didn't discount them and actually said, Oh, you know, I'm good at math instead of saying, Well, I'm good at math <laughs> You know, you know then they would, uh, uh yes, yeah. Char, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know Char, Char often is a certified health coach, and she's a fitness trainer as well. She's in Tampa, Florida, which is where I met her in person at a LinkedIn local kind of event there. And she also has gone through UMAP um, coaching. She has a UMAP of her own, and she said the most interesting things that just will always stick with me. And she said them publicly, so I am very comfortable sharing the story of her. You know, she used to look at content that other fitness trainers would publish, like, um, you know, little videos or gym selfies and all of that stuff. And she's like, I really want to talk about the science. I want to talk about what's happening in your brain that triggers you into making healthy and unhealthy decisions. And she really wanted to talk about the muscles and the nutrition and the things that were happening. And that's just part of her strength. And but she is just naturally wired to look into everything and to learn everything that she can about really what's happening behind the scenes in someone's body and in their mind and all of the decisions that affect each other. And she used to think not only that these things weren't her strengths, but she used to think of them as weaknesses. Why can't I be successful the way those other people are? And I thought, my God, like if, if, if everybody who felt that way why can't I be whatever like somebody else if those people all had their UMAP? Imagine how many more paths to success people would find. We each have our own. We each have our own things that are special about us that aren't going to be special about somebody else. And how valuable to have somebody like Char Auckland who really is willing to get into the science of it. There are going to be a lot of people who find and discover their own path to health because she talked about the science, and they're going to hear things differently from her than they would from somebody else. Yes, yeah, and and providing that different message because not everybody's message is received by everyone else the same way. So 
there's a plenty yeah. of people, and I, you know, I've watched several of her videos and found them quite fascinating, even though I know nothing about fitness. <laughs> but, right now, uh, and now but, you do, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, and it's it's definitely been a very eye-opening and a learning experience. And, you know, I mean, I would have never thought of some of those things because, like you said, most people have those those other types of gym videos, like the workouts or the the um, the selfies, like, hey, I just, you know, did this or yeah. did that. And, and, yeah, I mean, it's amazing because that's when you start embracing those things, that's when your message really changes and it becomes your own. And, and then right. the tribe kind of attracts uh, to that. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Lori actually told me, cause I had told her one time that I was very cagey about the idea of, you know, coming off as too much of a nerd. <laughs> when you I mean Lori Knudsen? Yes, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Lori uh, Knudsen. She's yeah, in my she, mouth right now. Awesome. So is her. So is Yeah, yeah. So what did Lori say to you? Oh, she told me, she said, uh, stop worrying about, uh, actually, you know, like if people, you know, think you're a nerd or a geek because you make, like, science fiction references or movie references in your videos, just go ahead and do it. And I've had so many connections actually come to me as a result of that. Like, wow, you know, I really love how you tied oh, up really? this. Or, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, it was, you know, kind of a similar situation where I was, like, afraid to, like, you know, I was like, oh, okay, this has got to be professional. I can't talk about, you know, a movie or something. <laughs> and, uh, not to put you on the spot, but do you have a, an example off the top of your head about that? And if not, you can send me a message about one later. I want to hear a story. Okay. Uh, well, actually, um, one of the videos that I did after uh, Lori and I talked about that was mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite books is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, or my book, book okay. series. Um, and uh, one of the videos I actually did uh, on LinkedIn was talking about how I actually um, could relate very well to the main character, Arthur Dent, on his journey through the galaxy because – Mm-hmm. Everything that happened through going to LinkedIn local and starting to write and all of the things I started doing was like this crazy adventure that I would have never thought I would have ever taken in a million years. And yeah. I did this whole video. I even had even had a towel on my shoulder, you know, because you're you know in the book you're always supposed to have your towel. Never with supposed you to travel without a towel, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I had that, and and a lot of people really responded to that. Of course, a lot of people had no idea what I was talking about, but at the same time, a lot of people really responded and and thought that was really cool how I tied in my story to uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Do you know what, David? Like, I don't really know the book. I know the movie a little bit. I remember the thing about the towel. So I'm probably not, like, your magnetized geek audience, but... The fact that that story comes from something you're really interested in, it helps you to tell it a different way, and that connects. So specifics and specifics in storytelling especially, that's something that we really are wired to listen to and to be influenced by. So it doesn't even matter that I'm not the geeky person or that I'm not a big fan of that book or that movie or that series. It's just the fact that it means something to you. So the way that you talk about it feels more natural than you talking the way somebody else would about the journey, the adventure. Um, Somebody else might have a story about the journey, the adventure that relates to their – so, like, for example, David McLennan and I were talking this morning, and he was talking about how he was a triathlete, which, like, it couldn't be further from who I am. You know, I'm more of a library goer than a triathlete. But he was telling me about how he learned so much from going through the process, even little things like, oh, you need gel packs to rehydrate. You put them in the hip pack or the fanny pack the night before the preparation. Just the things that he learned for his journey before going on this triathlon journey. And him telling that story, even if I'm talking about the journey you're talking about the journey, and he's talking about the journey. There's three very different stories because they're coming from three different people's contexts. So we can tell the same kind of stories as many times as we want. But when we talk from a place of this is something I'm actually interested in, then people listen. Then people are interested. Whether they align with exactly what your interests are or not, they see that you care about something, and then they're able to connect to your story the way that you experienced it. So I think there's totally value in that beyond even just magnetizing the nerves. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and I think that's what really also makes, you know, and what I've come to discover is that's what makes storytelling so unique because not everybody has the same uh, lenses that they look at the world through. And yeah. so each person's story or their events, it's like the, uh, what was it, they had those videos where, like, a kid would tell somebody, like, whisper in one person's ear, and then they'd go around, like, 20 other kids. And by the time the last kid said what he or she had heard from the kid before was totally different from what the first kid said. Um, Is that like telephone, like the game telephone? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I couldn't remember. Yeah, I love playing that game. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I like playing that game when I go into companies that are uh, like a small enough group, like 20 or fewer people in the room. If I'm going to go and do a workshop in there, sometimes I like to play telephone because it's something silly and it gets people opening up in a different way. And I will write a brand message out on this little piece of paper, and I will hand it to the first person who will read it, fold it back up, hand it back to me, and then turn to the person on his or her left and tell them what the brand message is. And then they'll pass it on, and they'll explain it as well as they they understand it. If they think that they can explain it with more words or better words, then they can embellish or take away. And then by the time it gets to the final person, knowing that the intention was with each person in this circle to pass along the true brand message. That was their intention. They're not even like passers-by or um, like passive communication through consumers the way that it is in media where you hope something sticks but you never know. These are people who intentionally are passing along the message that they think reflects the brands that I wrote about on the first piece of paper. By the time it gets to that last person, it's almost always something very different, the same as you're talking about with that game of telephone. And then we start talking about how very, very clear your brand's messaging has to be in order for it to reach that far out away from the original communicator. That's how clear you have to be, thinking about everybody who might come across it and making it easy enough to remember that it's easy enough to repeat. And that's how people get a really effective brand message across. This is funny that you bring that up. I might be doing it next month at a, a workshop in Atlanta. Well, that is that is certainly very cool because, uh, you know, it, it's a, you, like you said, it's a great teaching tool. And uh, I don't even know why I brought it up. It just came to mind. Uh, because this is yeah. what happens when you and I talk. We could be on the phone. We could be on a call for, like, four hours, and we'll just talk about, any random anything, and we'll find some lesson in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the David and Lila, we can learn from that, though. <laughs> There's oh, learning in there. <laughs> yeah, so, somewhere in there yeah. learning happens. It's it's all magic, and, uh, you know, don't look beyond the curtain. <laughs> right. <laughs> don't try to look for the rhyme or reason. This is just yep, magic. It just, it just happens. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why I like talking to a lot of different people because everybody brings something, their own ingredient for a brand new kind of magic. So every kind of conversation that I have with different people has that person's magical ingredient in it and mine. So those two ingredients interacting with each other makes a new flavor for that conversation that's never happened before. Absolutely. And, of course, and at that time, you know, different things are happening. You're sitting in a library. I'm sitting in a, uh, I, I think this is a neighborhood. Yeah, it looks like a neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you? Where are you sitting? <laughs> this may be a neighborhood. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Pineville somewhere. I'm not really sure. I've never been here before. Okay. Well, I mean, I've been to Pineville, but never this part. Of yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Is Pineville where the Barnes & Noble was, where we had Kristen Sherry's book launch for UMAP? That book signing yeah. party? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a nice Barnes and Noble. It was a great, good group of people. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was really a lot of a lot of fun and really interesting. And uh, you know, I I'd, I'd never seen a book signing before, so uh, oh really? So that was good. Um, you know, I'd never been to one like that, so I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, and it helped me out because I just actually had my first book signing uh, uh, last week, so that was fun. And uh, congratulations! Out, so. That's so exciting. Thank you. What did yeah, you learn from of, that one that you incorporated into yours? Um, just kind of learned how to set things out and how to present and and how to be, mm-hmm. you know, more conversational with people and try and you know try and chat 
you know, and, and you know, kind of get people interested, like like uh, uh, Vinny, you know. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Bought his he was right next like to her, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I uh, so I kind of learned to try and try and be uh, conversational like that, and just talk to people, and you know, just just chat and not, you know, be, you know, and then be like, hey, yeah. So here's my book. This is cool, you know. So yeah. Yeah, it's those conversations that really start and spark new relationships that I think do end up in some kind of a sale. If you're going to sell a book uh, to somebody who has no other reason to buy your book than any other one that's on the shelves in a bookstore. But you're there in person. So there's something, you know, to use the word magic again, there's something magical about an author who has created something. Being there with the book and ready to sign it to you, the reader, it's that personal experience that we almost never get anymore with any kind of transaction. I mean, can you think of any other, I guess, artist fairs or flea markets or antique markets? I don't know. Like, when do you ever get that personal of a consumer experience? Yeah, it's it's very rare. I mean, there have been um, a few circumstances in my life where I've actually got to meet uh, artists or authors, you know, musicians, things like that, um, just because I happen to be in the right place at the right time. But um, it's not like one of those common things like, hey, you know, I just saw so-and-so down at the, the you know, um, you know, at the grocery store or something like that, and I was talking to him about his book or something like that, you know, so it's it's not, you know, you don't often meet, like you said, the uh, the person who's bringing forth uh, that product yeah. uh, or, or service that you're buying. Like you buy Tropicana orange juice in the supermarket, and you don't meet the person who's squeezing the oranges. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, unless you go to like Florida, unless you go to like Florida and buy it you know, straight from the vineyard or something, you know, which you can't right. do. But the orange uh, or what do you call it? An orchard where where a lot of ar- groves, where a lot of orange grove, 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 grove yes. an orange grove. Yes, I want to go to an orange grove. If anybody's listening yeah. and lives in Florida and has an orange grove, please invite me and David, and we'll come in this car <laughs> and squeeze your oranges and drink your juice. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal for them, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you don't even have to make it for us. We'll go out there, we'll pluck the oranges and, you know, and, and uh, make the oranges. We'll pluck the oranges. <laughs> <laughs> You're taller. <laughs> I was surprised at how tall you are. You're a lot taller than I am. Uh, I'm not used to being called tall, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I felt really little. Like, I felt like I was looking up and you were still way up there. <laughs> so. I was expecting that. You never know. When you meet people online, you never know what the experience of them is going to be like in person. And then you meet and it did anything for you when we met in person for the first time? Did anything for you shift? Or did you feel anything differently about me? Or was I pretty much what you had expected? Um, I mean, you were pretty much the, the, the person I expected, you know, from our conversations and stuff. I mean, I, I was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is. Yeah, I mean, you know, because a lot of times when you meet somebody, like, that you've met from, from online, you're like, okay, is this person going to be the way that they appear online? And, yeah. Uh, you know, and, I, you know, the same genuine, you know, uh, awesome person that I knew from, from LinkedIn uh, was the, the person that I met. Um, and and you know, it was really cool. It was exciting to, uh, to get to meet you. And I love, you know, I love meeting people online. I've actually been doing it uh, not as often throughout the years, but uh, I actually started meeting people online back before the internet was actually a thing. Uh, we'd meet on bulletin boards and then we'd go out bowling. <laughs> um, like a real bulletin board? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, um, like you know, what, what existed community before board? the internet existed. Uh, not a community board. No, I don't like know a, what you mean. Uh, it's, it was like, like a chat you'd, room? You'd yeah, it was like a, a chat room, but uh, it was all like text based. It all was like black with with uh, you know just just text. There were no pictures or anything. Um, oh, you're talking yeah, about so, like from history. Yes, yeah, like like back, late back 80s. in the day. Oh. Yeah, the late eighties. <laughs> I was very very little in the late eighties. <laughs> I wasn't but, even but, allowed yeah. to have uh, like text based toys. I had, I think, I had blocks. And I have Legos, Duplo, Duplo blocks, which are like the big Legos. Yeah. And I would build a lot of things. And I had Barbies, 
and I had um, the little people, the Fisher Price, um, the little people that they're like peg people that you fit them into cars and things. The little peg people. I don't know how to say them. I think they're just called little people. I want to say that that's what they were called, yeah, because me and my sister had a set of those, and then I had a bunch of a uh, bunch of Legos and stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Legos are a great yeah, toy I'm, because Legos really they span, um, you know, every generation, every kind of person, every kind of player. Like everybody likes Legos, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to I used to come up with my own sets and build things and send the uh, designs actually to Lego uh, back before you they started the Creator Studio. Are you serious? I did. Yeah, I actually oh, even tell me a Lego story about that. What? <laughs> I need to know yeah. more about this immediately. <laughs> okay. Well, um, well, yeah. Actually, when I was a kid, um, uh, shortly after my parents started homeschooling us, I would have been in fifth grade. Um, my dad would come home from work, and he would lo- absolutely love watching the Muppet Show. So it was really hard to get us focused on doing schoolwork when my dad's in there laughing in the next room because we'd be in the kitchen, uh-huh. my sister and I, uh, he's laughing in the next room about watching, you know, the Muppet show. So we would, we, my mom would let us actually watch the Muppet show. That would be one of our breaks in school. And, uh, so I was playing with my Legos and actually, um, uh, it happened to be the, the star Wars episode where they had Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and everyone on there. And, um, I started actually building a few sets, and I actually designed an X-Wing and uh, Y-Wing Starfighter, and I sent them off to a competition and actually won, and it was before they actually started, wow. um, it was before they actually started making these Star Wars Lego sets. And yeah, so I've actually or got any pictures of, of Right, yeah, so I've actually got pictures that were sent to Lego that uh, from a competition I had entered through Lego and a, and a certificate and everything from where they, they actually accepted the designs and stuff. Uh, they are buried somewhere in my parents' attic. You have I, to find I, them. Yeah, I will have to see if I can find them. I've also got, I've got to find this newspaper article that I, I promised, uh, a couple of people on LinkedIn that I'd find where I was actually on stage. You've got to find it. Checker. Oh my God, you have to find these things. This is gold. I have no idea. I don't even know what the, what is it? The X and the Y and the Z and the something fighters. I don't even know what those things mean, but. I think it's awesome <laughs> that like, this, this competition that Lego had, that was probably the beginning of crowdsourcing for ideas, uh, probably the beginning of crowdsourcing for ideas for their kit, and you were one of the first designs ever to inspire Lego to create a kit. So, honestly, you're my hero, and I need to tell my little brother, Jacob, too, about you, and I'm going to need an autograph, not just in my copy of your book, but on everything I own. (laughs) 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 You are the couple of super fans, just now in Carthas with David. Very cool, yeah, and 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 actually, you know, I enjoyed that, uh, and and now they actually have, uh, like you said, they actually have a website where you can go submit designs for Legos, and if they get enough votes, um, Lego will actually make the actual kit and sell them. So there's actually a lot. It's called the Lego Creator Series. So if you ever see that on a box, that means that that's something somebody actually designed and um, wow. got enough votes that they actually made it. So I actually buy some of those really to cool. help support the creators. Yeah, I would do that. I would totally do that. It's also a really nice way for Lego to get free design talent. I mean, I'm sure they pay people eventually, but still, you know, again, with the crowdsourcing and that all the open source stuff that's on the internet now, it's not like it's unprecedented, but it is interesting now to see how roles like designer used to belong to one kind of person who studied one kind of thing in one kind of school. And so now you don't have to go to Parsons and become a a designer, a toy designer. You can just be David playing with Legos in the other room after the Muppet show and come up with the next great idea. And that Lego actually has a place for that on the internet now, I think that's really cool. Anybody can just create something now. We're living in a really cool time where people have access to the resources that they need to support a new small business. Um, do you know Ken Ma'o? 
she's a small business superhero. She wears a cape in her videos on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I'm not connected with her yet, but I have seen some of her videos, yes. Yeah. Oh, I highly recommend it. Her videos are such a tremendous amount of free value. But what people don't all know about her is that what she does for a living is she helps small businesses to target funding. And they get, she helps people find actual money for their actual businesses for anything from an idea on a napkin to an unprecedented multi-patent holding design technology. And she helps people by, by identifying what might make them align in any kind of a way with somebody giving out funding for a group that they belong to. So if they were a target or if the funding was given out to a target, how to tell the stories that intentionally connect that person to the funding that they could get. So I, I might ask you questions like, um, are, are you a military veteran? And, and I'm asking you. So you can just answer yes or no. Oh, oh, oh yeah, uh, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Uh, were you a Boy Scout? Yes. Okay. There you go. See, question two, I, I can stop. You were a Boy Scout, so there's got to be some kind of organization out there, possibly the Boy Scouts, who offers funding for small businesses for people who were Boy Scouts or who are creating products to be sold by Boy Scouts or to in some way reinstill the values of Boy Scouts in a community. So things like that, if you can tell that story, you can get funding for your business. It's like finding free treasure. So she's fascinating, and I was talking with her the other day on that communication chat, which I do on Instagram, until I get uh, LinkedIn Live video privileges. Uh, but for now, it's on Instagram. On mostly, uh, it's mostly on Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central. And those chats are kind of a deep dive with somebody who is thinking about communication in a, in a different way and doing these deep dives into the role of communication and what they do. So she has a book coming out, Target Funding, which is really helping people with their small businesses, with their, like, Lego design ideas or, or whatever they come up with. Not only can you come up with an idea out of whatever, out of your head, but you can actually find funding for it now. And then books like Target Funding, books like Kesma's book can actually help people just do that. It's a pretty cool time to, to be alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I've actually talked on my show about before, too, is how, you know, the technology is there. You don't have all of these uh, gatekeepers keeping people out, you know, from being able right. to communicate or being able to create because the technology is there. It's available. It's in a lot of cases free. And um, all you have to do is just tap into it, take advantage of it, use it. And from there, you can create, you know, anything. Um you know, be it art, music, uh, podcasts, books, businesses, you know, what have you. Yeah. And then I'll help you tell the story. <laughs> I, I help people with, uh, you know, with messaging, like once you have a thing that's out there and you know what you want to talk about, or even if you just want to position yourself as a thought leader before you release a product, you, you want to get the people in your audience familiar with thinking about you in a certain kind of way. So if they want to think about an expert in thing that you're trying to do, then I help people to position themselves that way, pulling the right pieces out of their story that are going to connect that way. Just like Kedna helps people pull the right pieces out of their story to get funding and just help them get attention. Yeah, I mean, and that's so important. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, yeah. you've got you've to establish your reputation and your brand, and the best way to do that is to find somebody who can help you say that in the most efficient way possible, like yourself, and 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 the you. most yeah. um, interesting way possible that that really draws you know people to you and and kind of magnetizes you you know to the point where you're you know people are seeking you out and wanting to know. I love that word magnetize. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I love that word magnetize because it, it's so much better to. Think about attraction marketing and drawing people to you for what you do offer rather than trying to target people for what you think they want. Instead of trying to guess, you say, here's what I offer, here's what the story is, and then the people who do resonate with that will find you, just like you said, like a magnet. You're, you're magnetizing your own force field, and then the people who have the other 
polar ends of that magnet get attracted to you. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, and and that's that's what uh, you know, and that's what really is important about about sharing your story is because you know if you if you share it properly, you know, you'll find this tribe of people who who want to hear what you have to say that are curious that are um, like some of some of my listeners who with my my shows laid on the air they're like hey is everything okay <laughs> they check in on oh, me I'm, I'm all right <laughs> so oh so yeah that's so. great <laughs> so something yeah. else if you were to start engaging in a pattern of risky behavior like mountain climbing or free falling or something there would be a whole community of people who wanted to make sure you weren't dead yeah. Yeah, they so do you shout great. like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> have you fallen? Are you dead? <laughs> yeah, if you are dead, you don't it's have dark. to answer. It's cool, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. See, I can just be my goofiest possible dark humor self, and someone is going to not be offended by it. And the person who is going to be offended <laughs> Or it's like too soon, like someone died in their life, and they're like too soon to joke about death. Like those are going to be my people. Oh, That's yeah. okay. Yeah, my my sense my sense of humor has always been a little bit on edge uh, for for most. And yeah. Like, as a as a kid, when my when we would all go out as a family shopping, my mom would ditch my dad, my sister, and myself in the toy department, and then she would go shopping, and then she'd page us at the front desk. Uh, when she was done shopping, so we'd be playing with toys the whole time and, and joking around and acting like children. So, uh, so it was always. <laughs> that sounds great. I want to do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to just go get dropped off in the toy department while someone else goes and buys clothes for me that I don't have to <laughs> pick out. <laughs> I'm gonna play with the toys. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah. It was, it was a well, great idea. You talked about I, a lot of, like, random things. Um, I don't know if we talked about intentional communication, but I guess the result of it is what you felt when we met for the first time offline is just it is being yourself. It sounds simple. But if you're doing it on purpose and you don't, you don't let people see kind of the worst side of you through your messaging, through your online presence, you get to build up enough trust with them first so that when you let your dark side out and you make, like, ugly death jokes, they already love you. <laughs> There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> That's intentional communication is it? let me, like, do a slow rollout on the worst parts of myself. <laughs> and in the meantime, I'll, I'll intentionally share the best parts. So I think that is part of what it is. I have this method that I created this called Facing Center. It's really just a bunch of tools that I learned in theater, and I have been applying them in business for so long and professional communication that when everybody was telling me, you're such a good communicator, can you help me to say this thing? Can you help me? You always say things better. And I would keep getting out with the same kind of thing. When I looked at what it was that set me apart, why people were coming to me, it was this stuff that, Again, like in the beginning of our conversation today, you and I were talking about the strengths that we take for granted. But there are experiences we take for granted, too. So all this stuff I had learned from theater was so very normal to me, so ingrained in my everyday. But when I started calling it out and saying, here are actual steps that I used to take in the acting process, in the system that I learned for rehearsals and performances, in calling out the pieces of a story that are important, in navigating through a script in mind for all the details. Did use this word, didn't use that word, what does that mean? And just reverse engineering all of those tools to help people tell a story that is theirs instead of a story that's scripted, it totally made sense. I just needed somebody else to tell me first that it was valuable. And now that I know that it is, I'm intentionally teaching those tools that I have to other people. That's what I do when I'm doing communication coaching or when I go and do workshops at companies. And I use this system to help people just keep themselves accountable instead of ending up being kind of lazy. We have a way to check our work, both in personal and branded communication. One of the, one of the tools is called Verb Your Value. Have you ever heard me talk about that before? Verb Your Value? 
uh, I have not. Oh, good. So then you get to hear it for the first time, and people who are listening to this who heard me talk before are hearing it for the 50th time, but then you can just take a pee break, and I'll just talk to David. So the the verb your values, it's step five of the Say Things Better method, and it's the part that's the most um, heart-driven. So everything else is being, you know, strategic and saying, what do you want to accomplish in a big way? What do you want to accomplish right now? What do you think your communication partner wants to accomplish? What do you already have that can help them do that? Those are steps one through four. But this fifth step, verb your values, is about how you make people feel with all of your communication, with visual communication, written communication, verbal communication, nonverbal communication. It doesn't matter what it is. If you have a verb that you can use to check your work and say, is this doing this thing to my communication partner, it's a pretty simple ask. So my verbs that come from my values are to affirm, to connect, and to empower. So whenever I talk to somebody, whenever I connect to them, whenever I write a post, write a comment, take a picture and share it, I'm always intentional with making sure that before I put it out there, before I try and give it to somebody else, I want to ask if it will affirm them. I'm going to ask myself, does this piece of communication connect with them? And is it in some way empowering? Does it give them the tools that they need to be successful in their goals? So those are the things that I always try to be intentional about. Not this step of the method, that verb your value step is so useful for brands, too. So if they're checking the same stuff, checking their work, like does our work affirm, connect, empower, whatever their verbs are. So do you have some? Do you have verbs that you think might represent the kind of effect that you want to have on people, the way that you want to make them feel when David communicates? Um, I mean, I would say, you know, to feel empowered, to feel um, inspired, um, and and to feel uh, that they are creative, you know. So I would think those mm-hmm. would be probably mine. So if you want somebody to see, I'm going to talk about your, your second two, because I think that to inspire somebody, I might want to inspire someone, and you might want to inspire somebody, but we probably do those in very different ways. So the way that I connect or the way that I affirm, like I'm, I say a lot of, yes, that's valuable. Um, here's why. That kind of affirmation is part of my way of, of inspiring people so that they feel validated, and, and to validate is another verb, but affirmative being very positive. Uh, there, there are all kinds of ways that you can inspire. And to make them feel that they're creative uh, is is another, like, I think that is also, like, to inspire. But how do you do it? You ask questions. Um, maybe it's to investigate. You join somebody in conversation. It might be to interview or to partner. So what is it that you're actually doing that inspires people or that takes them from I don't know if I can or I don't know if that's for me to maybe that is for me, maybe I can? Gotcha, gotcha. And, and yeah, so, so yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, and I mean, that that's something I never really thought of because I, I – I kind of was like, well, these are kind of ideas or, you know, verbs that I wasn't sure about. So, <laughs> Well, those are great. It's great to want to inspire people. It's a great value to have. We all do that, though, in different ways. So when you think about the ways that you do that, that, that is very unique to you and to how you grew up or, or what people feel when they're around you, what gets them to open up, what gets them to think creatively? Uh, like, I know for me, uh, and, you know, I've only met you in person just the once, although it felt like uh, a lot longer or, or that we had known each other for a very long time. There's something in you that sparks others. So two sparks might be one where okay. you bring something to the table and you even just telling a story, even telling a story about the the whatever the letters were, fighter jet things and Legos or the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the content that you, that you create, these are all methods of delivery that help 
spark somebody else's imagination where they start thinking, okay, what are the things from my past? What are the stories that I've lived that tell me maybe I could be creative in some way too? The two sparks might be one for you. And you're just so friendly too. I think everybody feels comfortable around you, maybe to welcome or to be friends. Okay. Yeah. And I yeah, think I can people are inspired yeah. by people are inspired by you because you make them feel differently than somebody else does. And people have lots of different sources of inspiration. I mean, some people find Gary Vaynerchuk uh, particularly inspiring, and I might be more inspired by you. And you guys have completely different communication styles. So, what is it that you do that inspires? Just worth thinking about. Something for the audience too to think about what your verbs are because once you decide what they are and you really identify those within yourself, you can become intentional about them. I can ask myself on purpose, am I being affirmative? Am I connecting? And am I empowering somebody right now? So it's how we hold ourselves accountable to whatever our values really are. And that's why when people meet me in person, they're not usually that surprised by more than like my cowboy boots. <laughs> yeah, I could say that. I, I, I almost forgot about them until you brought it up. I was like, yep, the cowboy boots, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> surprising. Well, you know, I live in Dallas now, so <laughs> cowgirl's got a boot. Got to fit in, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's next for you? You've got your books coming up. Uh, yes, yeah, I've got a uh, book that's currently being edited uh, by um, Andrada and Uh Oh, wow. editing a book I'm co-authoring with a friend uh, who actually I met uh, through LinkedIn, and we I drove up to Raleigh and met him in person. We've met a couple times and talked on the phone. Um, Anybody I know? So coming up. Uh, Robert Kelly. Oh. And he, he posts a lot on my or he comments a lot of my posts, so I don't know if you've, you've encountered him. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I don't know him. He's not top of mind for me yet, but I'm sure if you've co-authored with him, that that'll change pretty soon. <laughs> How did you decide, yeah, this guy, I've got stuff to say with him? Uh, well, um, basically, uh, when I when I launched my website, uh, creativecalvert.com, uh, he commented on it and he wasn't connected with me most of the people who commented were people that I knew um so I reached out and sent him a connection request and we started chatting and he was like hey you know we live in the same state uh I'd I'd like to maybe meet you you know I know because he had found out that I did had been to a couple LinkedIn locals and he was fascinated with that idea and um so I drove up to Raleigh one day uh had a coffee with him and we did a, a video together that we posted on LinkedIn and, uh, um, you know, and he was just really fascinated by the whole thing and that actually inspired him to go out and meet more people and network with more people. And, uh, he was like, you know, we should write a book about this, about how we met and, and how networking uh-huh. and taking those online connections offline is, is such a huge thing. And so I, the next time I went up to meet with him, he had yeah. like a 15 page, uh, thing of notes. <laughs> He's like, here, here's my book. Oh. Let's get started. So, wow. yeah, so I decided to, uh, to work with him on that. Yes, yeah, he is you very You are great and, at networking. And to really, like, to drive to somebody else's city, I mean, I'm in Farmingdale right now for doing the same thing. I think that we share that value of connecting offline whenever possible. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm all about that. I, I love, like I said, I love meeting people, and I'm really excited, like, for instance, uh, the um, – the upcoming thing that uh, Roger Wilkerson's doing in, in Las Vegas. I'm really. Uh, if Are you going to go? Because I might go. I, yes. yes. Really? I'm actually. Uh, I'm oh, intending well, to go. Oh, you're going to be there. <laughs> yeah. That'll so, be one uh, big so party. Wow. Yes. Yeah. My wife loves Vegas, so I was like, "Well, this will be perfect because I don't have to sell her on it. <laughs> she can go play blackjack and I'll hang out with all the your wife." Uh, Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I was like, yeah, well, you want to go to party. Vegas in June? So she was like, yes, of course. I was like, okay, good. Let's go. <laughs> so I've got, I've got a plan for that. Um, 
I have my mastermind group going right now for the first time, you know, the March mastermind. And then I'm going to do it again in May. I might have to take all of June off just to prepare for that party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, it's, I think it's June 15th, right? Yes, yeah, June 15th, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Bobby the Bear supporter. And actually, and Roger, too. So Roger, I was on a, one of Roger Wilkerson's shows on LinkedIn when I first started talking about Say Things Better. Even before I was doing the 10 Tips 10 Days, I was talking about what I was doing and the messaging consulting that I was doing for entrepreneurs and thought leaders and for businesses, communication coaching, and using my theater tools to help people to say things better. And he was so supportive of me and asked me questions that were respectful and really honored the work that I had done and what I brought to the table. He always made me feel like I like I deserved a place there. And that made me feel really good about starting something brand new. And and also not just new, but I was still kind of new to embracing that this thing that I had taken for granted for so long would actually be of value to someone else. So I will he will always have a fan in me. <laughs> yeah, and the same thing when I first started uh, making connections online, I have pretty much a similar story. You know, he he uh, connected with me and reached out and, and chatted with me and invited me to join his uh, his Facebook group at the time. And then, of course, when Bobby the Bear came around, I was like, yeah, this is so awesome. This is really, really unique and really yeah. cool. So, so yeah, and, um, you know, so, yeah, when, when he uh, he came up with the idea for the film and everything, I was like, yes, I am I'm supporting. I'm, <laughs> you know, you yep. supported me when I was getting started in all this social media yeah. stuff. You know, I'm, I'm there. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. I love it. I love seeing all the people, too, come out from the, the woodwork. And we didn't all know, right, that each other had had these amazing experiences with Roger Wilkerson being kind of the wind beneath our wings <laughs> in many cases. He just was this behind the scenes, in the messages, inviting us and highlighting us and making us feel important that it's, it's cool to now see everybody coming out in support of him and the Bobby the Bear project because I know that, like, I felt this way, but I love hearing about what he's done for you and what he's done for all these other people, too. There are people who would go to bat for him forever. People ask why Bobby the Bear has been so successful, and it's because Roger's behind it. I mean, the bear otherwise is just, I mean, not to call it out, but the bear itself can be purchased at Starbucks or maybe could have and it was limited edition and now you have to go on eBay. But the only Bobby the bear is the one that is connected to Roger Wilkerson. Yes. Yeah, he gave it He gave it life, like, like the Muppets, you know. Um, yeah. You know, the, they have characters. Have you been in Atlanta and, to the uh, Center for Puppetry Art? I have not. Um, you got to go there someday go because they have all the they have all the real original Muppets, like the Jim Henson actual Muppets, wow. and you can go okay. and look at them. And they have them. Yeah, they, you've got to go to the Center for Puppetry Art in Atlanta, one of the coolest museums in the country. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have to kidnap my dad and take him there because <laughs> he's the one who got me into all of that. Yeah. Oh, that would be so cool. What a fun trip to do together. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that far of a drive for where I'm at. It's like three. Well, if there's traffic, it's like eight hours. But, you know, generally it's three hours. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Atlanta. I mean, I don't know what the Charlotte area of traffic at Pineville traffic normally is, but I know Atlanta is kind of a disaster for traffic. Yes, yeah. The same as anything else, same as any big city. Sometimes you just have to deal with it and go anyway if something is spectacular. Exactly, yeah. So we're definitely at some point be going for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, take me with you and, you know, stay in touch. I know I've taken up like an hour of your time and I always love talking to you. I don't know how much time has actually passed <laughs> so uh i know that your your listeners are probably getting bored of listening to me so they can fast forward to the next episode now 
but it's been fun. It's been fun to talk to you and just think about all kinds of things, not to be so structured and just to get to chat. I like that it's car thoughts because it's just it's whatever comes up. Exactly. Yeah, and that's where I got you know, that's where I got the idea was just anything, you know, I interview anybody, talk to anybody and just let them share their stories and however long it takes it takes. <laughs> I like it because it's like being on a road trip. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. I was I'm still in Farmingdale. I'm still in Farmingdale. So I'll probably well, find my like, way back know, to uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's kind you of like that. Travel thousands of miles and never leave your, your library. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've spent an hour or so in Pineville, North Carolina, and you spent an hour or so in Farmingdale, New York. So we travel as far as our technology takes us, as far as we are intentional about asking it to. Exactly. <laughs> so, so as far as ways people can get in touch with you, um, you know, we've talked at length about LinkedIn. I'm sure they pretty much probably know they can find you there. But uh, where else can they find you uh, to learn how to say things better, how to be intentional with their communications, and how to learn more about UMAP? Because it's a fantastic service and system. I actually had a oh, yeah. Stephanie this morning about it, actually. <laughs> Stephanie Hall. Yes, yeah. Yeah, she is phenomenal. She's a really interesting person. I met her through Kristen Cherry as well. To learn more about UMAP, go to myumap.com. It's M-Y-Y-O-U-M-A-P.com. And you can always go to find a coach. And then using that tool on the website, you'll be able to find Lila Smith in just a matter of weeks once I am UMAP certified. But there are already people on there like Lori, like Stephanie, like Michelle Rademacher, uh, and others. Who are, who are already certified. And I'm going to be one of the first 40 UMAP coaches in the world once I'm done with my certification, which should be at the end of March. I do already have a waiting list for people who want to work with me on saying things better using their UMAP. And I've got a couple of clients that I'm already working with who are really looking forward to my adding this to our experiences together. But if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can go to saythingsbetter.com and submit a form on my website, or you can email Lila at saythingsbetter.com. It's L-I-L-A at saythingsbetter.com. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Lila, for coming on the show. And I don't even know why I hadn't asked you sooner because I was just there thinking, like, duh, why would I ask her? We always have great conversations. Yeah. Well, I'm so honored that you did. What a pleasure yeah, I, to have, an, you know, an hour of your time on uh, Thursday or yeah, whatever well, day I mean, it is I, that people are listening to this, I guess. Yes, I'll be yeah, listening well, for, to it again, for, too. <laughs> for us, it's Thursday. Uh, let's see. Stephanie was uh, – it'll be Saturday. Saturday morning will be when this episode comes out. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, happy All Saturday, right. everyone. Yes, happy Saturday from, from the – the past or the future, depending on your point of view. <laughs> oh, do you want to do something fun? Let's leave ourselves okay. a little time capsule. Uh, so like a little message, a little note to future Lila and future David, even if it's only two days in the future. So okay. I'm going to leave a message for you, and you are to forget this <laughs> and <laughs> let it go. And when we re-listen to this, you'll be like, oh, yeah, Lila told me too. So my, my fortune cookie instruction for you is to call somebody that you haven't talked to in a really long time and say something nice to them. Okay. Okay. And oh, that's actually a really good one. I mean, huh. <laughs> um, Beat that, David. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, that's, that's tough. Um, okay. I think I've got something. Um my message for you in the future is to actually uh, write a note and mail a letter to somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. Oh, that's such a good one. And I have actual stationery. So I am very prepared for that, although I haven't actually done anything like that. Like I've been carrying around this stationery for like a year. So I will actually put it to use 
and I will write a note on it to somebody that I haven't talked to in a year, and I'm going to now try to, like, men in black zap it out of my head and forget about it until Saturday when I hear this message again. <laughs> okay. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, that's, that's okay. exciting. I might have to add that to the show, like, hey, you know, when the show airs, send a message to yourself or to, to myself. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Yeah, that'll be a fun little, like, time capsule element. Very true, very true. Cool. All right. Well, All right. again, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, President. Hey, everybody. David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere, to just send ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life to give us the best chance of survival. We're going to try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies and read in novels and he longs for that type of, of an adventure he longs to set foot on a planet and yet he is not but after his 16th birthday he gets sent off on a secret mission and an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live I am so excited to share this journey with you guys and I thank you guys for checking it out. Again, Hurtling Towards a Home, A Story of Hope by David Calvert.